Awesome. Okay, we're recording. So, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. It's a very nice day out today, and I'm wearing a long sleeve, but I don't care. <laughs> That's not really like super thick, though. So it it's, is. It is thin. It is. It looks very thin. Thank you. Yeah. It's. <laughs> it's. I don't know. I just wanted it to. Anytime I do like an interview or a podcast or anything, I want my style to come through. Mm. So if it's like weird. Or like eccentric, like I'm going for that style, like purposely. That so makes sense. When I go to like events, I'll usually wear sunglasses and things like that. You should definitely throw your sunglasses on then. You know, <laughs> I wasn't going to, but now I am. So why not? Adds character, right? People are gonna be like, what's her deal? Why is she wearing sunglasses? I'm here she to ins- answer all of those questions. Is she inside? <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for all of those questions today. <laughs> so why are you wearing sunglasses? Um, I don't know. I feel like it just... I don't know. I've always liked wearing sunglasses in general. Or those, those are actually pretty interesting sunglasses. Like, what are what are the style? What's the style of those? Like, is, they're not aviators, right? I don't know what they are. They were given to me. So, mm. my, my boyfriend gave them to me. So, mm. he gave me, like, some silver ones, some black ones, some gold ones. And then there's, like, these ones that are just red and whenever I wear them, it looks like Every like the whole world just looks different. Mm. It looks like a dreamland or something. So it's like a Elton John type of style. Very much. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, those are those are interesting sunglasses. We'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also just like as an artist, I just kind of embrace whatever comes. So if I like the style and I'm just like, yeah. The other day, like I bought a fanny pack and I was like, I never thought I was gonna be that <laughs> person. <laughs> and then I was just like you know what? I kind of like the style. It's, it's, it's useful. It's, I can optimize my time and my space. That's one of my favorite words is optimize. Like I just like to take things and utilize them to the best of their ability and work mm. with them. So, well, that's, yeah. that's a great thing about fanny packs. I wear a fanny pack. Oh, okay. Cool. I run with a fanny pack. I, I occasionally carry a fanny pack and I get, I get interesting looks. People, people look at me weird. Like, wow, that person's really wearing a fanny pack. Well, I mean, but why would he do that? He's like, 20 something it's so it's so <laughs> useful like i mean it's 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 so easy to just like walk around with it's better than having something on your back I mean, yeah. especially you said running so yeah i mean it's it's perfect for that and yeah. it holds way more stuff than a like a lot more like than than just like a purse i mean come on now yeah so. <laughs> and then you get the people that wear it around their shoulders too because because now you can buy them to where they're they don't just fit around your waist you can adjust them to where they they're like a strap around your what? your chest yeah that's that's new i'm gonna have to yeah it's almost out. like a satchel Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, they're kind of cool. They're they're interesting. Um, I like them because you can put your keys, your phone, your wallet. Like I'm a person. Like especially now, like we have these giant phones. Like that thing's not gonna fit in my. Like I'm wearing athletic shorts and I, yeah. I wear short shorts, so that's not gonna fit in my pocket. Yeah. Or it's gonna bounce out of it at some point or yeah. fall out. You're preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I totally understand that. I usually. Always wear like baggy pants with like a lot of like the side pockets and everything. Mm. And people are like, why? And I'm just like, like cargo pants? Yes. Like, uh. you don't understand. <laughs> it's so useful when you're an artist and you're just, you know, like throwing in like brushes or, you know, I, I saw, um, what was I watching? It was on Instagram and somebody had put hot pockets or like Tostitos pizza rolls <laughs> in the side of their pants. And I was just like, why haven't I been doing that? <laughs> so, you know, there, it's, Again, optimized space, very useful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And when you're an artist, you kind of have to do that, right? Like you have to make use of everything that you have. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's super beneficial. Absolutely. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So tell me a little bit about your art. Do you do this full time? Is this something that um, you, how, how long have you been an artist? Oh, that is always a good question because I mean, I've, I've been doing art for a really long time. So like, even when I was a kid, um, like, I think I did something for the bank and it was like this little piggy that like a little piggy bank that I drew and like, I won a prize for it. <laughs> so, I mean, technically you could say it started back then, but how, I didn't how really, um, I don't know. It was when I was still going to school here in, in Lansing, I was going to Red Cedar. So that was probably like first or second grade. Okay. And back then I would still, I'd like, I had gotten reading awards and like writing awards back then. But, you know, then my family had moved and I didn't take my art seriously and I didn't really start painting um, because I, I would say that's probably like the main focus of my art is my painting. Okay. I didn't start doing that until I was like, I don't know, I don't really think about it very often. Probably like 13 or 14. Okay. That's when I got into abstract. Mm. Um. But as far as like illustration and design and designing websites and because I consider that as art as well. Yeah. I started doing that when I was like 10 or 11 and I started just using Wix as, okay. as I don't know, I just kind of got into it. I fell into it. And then I started falling into like robotics and different things like that. So interesting. Yeah. So that's it's interesting. It's kind of all over the place. <laughs> I mean, that's cool though, because then you don't have like one specific thing that you're focused on. You can kind of branch out into all these different like areas. For sure. Um, now, what about it? Like, what about creating websites? Did you like so much? Is it is it like just therapeutic, or do you find? I mean, you mentioned that it's like art artistic in a sense, mm-hmm. um, which I also believe it is because I suck at creating websites. <laughs> um, it's very it's not easy, and I don't consider myself an artist. So um, there's a definitely a creative aspect to it. So what about it, uh, do you, what kind of pleasure do you get out of doing that? Um, I don't know. I think I just started it, um, like, my very first client that I ever worked with was, uh, like, this. I lived in a very small town in mm. the country. Where, where'd you live at? I lived in Soddy Daisy, Tennessee, what? which is just outside. <laughs> <laughs> Soddy Daisy. <laughs> but, um, which is just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oh, okay. So I lived in a very small town, and it was way like it was 30 minutes to like to the next door. We just had one road that went through the entire town. So <laughs> I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Always. <laughs> what was, what was that like going from Lansing to Saudi Daisy? Saudi Daisy. They actually used to be at war with each other. Really? Saudi and Daisy side. Oh, so they ended up coming together and. Uh, I, I would say so probably, yeah. but I think there's still like that underlying, like, we don't like you mm. and we're the daisy side and we're the Saudi side. what was the purpose of the war i have no idea i never really looked in the history all that much <laughs> should I, we look it up i mean we can I'll i just up. knew that i wanted to come back to lansing which i did <laughs> <laughs> so when you were you, how old were you when you moved down there um i was uh well we visited when i was seven and then we moved um when i was eight so 2002 exactly one year after the twin towers mm. happened so so on september 11th yes wow that's exactly when we moved that's how i remember <laughs> that's that's crazy because that's like one of those dates too that you always remember like no matter what happens on that day from that point on like from years to come you'll always remember like what you were doing that day and then typically what you did every year after that mm-hmm. yep it's pretty wild it is it is i think on that day i was um 
I was at school. Like I said, I was going to Red Cedar. And they said, like, the, the towers had hit and everything. And that's when I ended up, um, they kept me in school because the school that I was going to, um, I don't know what it I don't know specifically what it was called, but it plays into my art, actually. So <clears throat> the school that I had went to, it incorporated, like, a lot of different countries that would go there. So I don't know what kind of school that is called, but um, you had people from China that went there. You had people that were from Vietnam that went there. There was it's people like an from, emo- immersion program. Yeah, 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 very much so. So um, it was by East Lansing, so the main focus of what they taught us was about different cultures and they taught us about the different music from different countries and art from different countries. And they always had these festivals that were going on. And I think that had a huge impact on um, like my childhood and my development into what I do now. And just the vast, excuse me, the vast um, things that I had learned and contributed to what I do today. So like I said, there's just like a lot of different things that I've done in my life. And I think that's kind of like where my art just all, it fuses all of that together Mm. for sure. Yeah. I mean, your past definitely plays a part into the way you perceive the world and the way you um, express it through whatever you do. Right. For sure. Yeah. And in anything and everything Mm -hmm. in the way you dress, the way you um, talk, the way you um, interact with people, the way you, you do everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it says, so, hold on, let me pull this up. Saudi, S-O-D-D-Y. Yeah. Dash Daisy. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> uh, Saudi Daisy is a city in Hamilton County, Tennessee, United States. The population, okay, um, history. Saudi Daisy is an incorporated city compromising the former Tennessee cities of Saudi and Daisy. It has frequently been noted on lists of unusual place names. <laughs> Saudi <hilarious>. Daisy <laughs> was home to Hamilton County's first courthouse and government seat, Poe's Tavern. Mm-hmm. Is that like Edgar Allan Poe? I or? have no idea. No. The tavern built in ni- 1819 was the home of Saudi Daisy resident Haston Poe. In 1838, the tavern served as a way station for 1900 Cherokees who were on the Trail of Tears. Whoa. That was a that was a very big. Um, also, the Civil War was a huge thing in Chattanooga. Mm. Um, I don't know as much history as I should, and I feel bad <laughs> about that. <laughs> but that was that was a huge thing. Um, like that was in in our history books a lot. They taught us a lot about like Sacagawea and mm. Trail of Tears, and they taught us a lot about like Lewis and Clark, Lewis and Clark. Lewis, I, I can't remember, but. I learned it, it was just a lot of history there and they're like um, grave sites everywhere that have like the fallen soldiers and different things like that. And again, that played a huge part in just, you know, when, when you grow up in an environment where that is the main focus, um, you learn a lot of different, uh, you, you just learn a lot of different things. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but <laughs> what 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 was their perspective in the the way they taught about the Civil War? What was that like? Uh, was it? I mean, because like what I, I went to school up here. I'm from Florida, but um, I moved up here when I was nine, and obviously we learned about the Civil War in elementary school. I think I moved up in third grade, so I, we would have learned about the Civil War from that point on. And the North's perspective is, you know, like the South was uh, like bad, you know, obviously because of slavery and all that stuff. We know that's bad. But so they have a like a like a 
when they teach it, they, they teach it from a very pro Northern um, aspect, right? Mm-hmm. How do they teach that in the South? It, so I don't think they really talked about slavery at all from what I remember. Okay. Um, but also I went there coming from the North. I, I didn't really understand what people were saying to me because <laughs> it was like a whole different language. It, people had different dialects there. Mm, yeah. Um, so like, like Coke means pop, yes, <laughs> like yes, all pops. <laughs> yeah. So even moving back to, to, to Michigan, it was a little bit of an adjustment. I mean, I, ne- I don't think I ever really got the, the Southern, uh, accent, dialect yeah. Yeah, accent. Um, but except for y'all, I will say y'all, <laughs> y'all is a word and I will say it and ain't is a word and I ain't going to stop saying it. That's all I know. And I will say that Rocky Top was, you know, the best song that they had. If you ever look up Rocky Top, it is the best, you know, that was our school anthem, everything. <laughs> so it was the, it was the whole state's anthem. Um, but yeah, it, they really didn't talk about it all that much. Um, but if they did, I wasn't really paying attention because <laughs> I wasn't really focused on, on school all that much. I didn't do very well in school at all. Um, I just, I don't know. School was never really like my thing. Mm. Um, it just, I think I had ADHD. I mean, I, I think, pretty sure I, I think for so <laughs> many people, school's not, uh, it's not something that the way it's set up, right. Is it's meant for it's meant it's meant to build like build people into being workers into going into the factory into like just following instructions all day long it's not engaging whatsoever mm-hmm. and so for the majority of kids unless you like can learn that way it's very boring and you, it's hard to pay attention i mean you're sitting in school for 8 hours a day yeah. like how 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 am i going to go to five different subjects every single day and learn as much as i can possibly learn in each class for sure like that's that's overload and it's not a it's not a good way to learn anything. Yeah, and one one thing I learned is like everybody learns differently. So yeah, for like the average of what they were trying to teach is like two plus two is four, right? So for me, I would I would be like what you know, but if you tell me four minus two is two, I'm like oh that <laughs> makes complete sense, <laughs> you know. So you just have to learn that like everybody learns differently, and yeah. a lot of people are hands on and, yeah. and whatnot too. Yeah. I had to take a lot of extra classes too. Like I think every year I had to go to summer school. And then even when I was in Lansing, um, I had to go to Kumon. If anybody is familiar with Kumon, it's a very different way of learning. It's, it's like Sylvan, but, um, more strict to the point. Interesting. <laughs> um, and it's, a, it's just a different way that they teach you. So yeah, I, I went to summer school a lot and that didn't really help at all, but when it came to things like music or it came to things like art or, you know, gym or anything like that, of course I was like really good at that. I was like, You're I love all that. in. Yeah. All in. <laughs> or if it was writing, not grammar. Grammar is terrible. <laughs> but as far as like writing stories and things like that, yeah. That is, was, that was more is that something you still do? Do you currently write? Yeah. 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 I still, I definitely write. Um, I'm currently, well, I have a poetry book that I wrote. And it's going to be in three parts. So the first book is going to be the first part. The second book is going to be the second part. Third is third part, obviously. And then I have like my own, um, like just kind of like my story that I'm writing. I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet, but um, it's just kind of a book about, and the poetry book goes into this too, but it, it goes into what it was like growing up and to leave the cult that I told you that I grew up in. And then the after effects and just everything. So I've, I've pretty much documented 
um, through photo, video, through taking pictures and just different things like that through my art. Um, I've just documented my journey. Yeah. Journey. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that's very cool. And uh, I wish that's something that I would have done because I, you said you listened to Juji's episode. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I talk a little bit about the cult that I was in and how, I mean, a lot of people probably, probably would say it's not a cult. It's hard to call it that sometimes. What do you mean? I think like the word cult, like when I was coming out of it, it was, it was hard to call it that. It was mm. hard to like even accept it as being that. Like being in it or, or coming out of it? Or coming out of it. Like yeah. when you're leaving it, if you don't know what that is, if you don't know what a cult is, like when you're deconstructing everything, yeah, it's for some people, it's like a lot harder to, to say, oh, this was that I grew up in a cult. Like at first mm. I used to just call it like, oh, it was a high control group or like it was a, it was like right. this type of religion, but no, like it really, it really was. And, um, yeah, it, everybody has a different journey and experience with it and how they feel about it and stuff. But I, I haven't heard your story actually. No. Yeah. I don't okay. know your story yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like for a lot of people, when they hear the word cult, they think of like the David Koresh's, they think of, um, uh, uh, what was that one where, uh, everybody drank the Kool-Aid Oh, yeah. Um, they think of that and, you know, they think of all these extreme groups, but like cult like mentality is just like a cult. Like it's like group think essentially where everybody believes the same thing and they try to persuade you to believe the way they believe. Yeah. And if you don't, then they almost in a sense try to control you or push you out. And uh, for me, that's what happened. So um, it wasn't like an extreme cult or anything like that, you know, where like the the leaders like screwing everybody's wives or anything <laughs> like that but um it was just more or less like women have to wear certain things um you cannot go to certain places you cannot do certain things you cannot listen to certain music mm -hmm. because if you do do that then you're you're of the world you're not yeah. you're not being religious or you're not being um uh uh what, what's the word i want to use you're not being like godly yeah um so I guess like I can tell you a little bit about my story if you want, but I would like to hear your story. Um, so <laughs> you grew up Mormon. I grew it, up Jehovah's Witness. Jo oh, Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. My bad. Sorry. But everybody gets them confused. Like they are very what similar. What are the difference? What is the difference? So Mormons, uh, they tend to like, they are dressed up in suits and they do come to your door and they, you know, they do yeah. the conversion, um, a lot of things. But like with Jehovah's Witnesses, um, wow, this is like my first time like really talking about this podcast. <laughs> This is exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, like, with Jehovah's Witnesses, it is one of those things, like, you're not really considered a witness unless you get baptized into it. Um, I was raised in it, so I was a born in, what they consider a born in. Mm. So my mom was one, my dad was one, and, like, my grandma was one. Um, and you kind of just, they believe in, um, like, that God's name is Jehovah, right? and that jesus is his son so they're two separate things right mm, and then the okay. holy spirit is separate from all of that so deconstructing all of that was very hard to like to <laughs> to like put them all in what like oof, that was hard <laughs> <laughs> but you know um they they do believe that like everybody in the world um is isn't going to um doesn't know about you know like the like that you're supposed to live forever on earth right is one, uh, one of the bigger, biggest uh, things that they talk about. And then 
Um, let's see here. I don't know. I haven't thought about it in quite a while, but my story is I started realizing things about it, you know, about like certain freedoms and I did what they called wake up. So I woke up and I was like, this is not where I want to be. And, you know, I was trying to slowly like distance myself, but you know, that raises red flags of people. People are like, Mm. um, why are you asking questions? Like, why are you doing this? Why are you accepting like happy birthdays from people? Why are you doing this? Mm. You know, cause you don't, do birthdays there, holidays uh, or anything like that, or the flag salute or anything right. like that. So that's one thing that's very interesting about yeah. religion is when you start questioning things, people mm-hmm. are like, why are you asking? Yeah. Like you should just accept it for what we like. You should just accept what we tell you. Mm-hmm. But if you start questioning what they're telling you, they're like, then they're like, why? Like, what? don't do that. Yeah. I remember, I remember that like in Sunday school we would, and that's the thing, like it's important to like when, especially for young people, like to ask questions. And I remember being in Sunday school, it it was probably like some sort of youth um, age. I don't remember how old I was or anything, but the youth pastor would be teaching us something and then people would ask questions and, and you could tell that like they would almost, they would, they would not, they wouldn't like it. They, they wouldn't like like the, it's almost like pushback in a sense, but it's not, it's just asking questions. Like, I remember one of the things that they would say and they wouldn't blatantly say it, but by saying like what we teach here is the truth and what other teachers or other churches are teaching isn't the truth. So it's like almost like everybody else is a false teacher. Mm -hmm. And well, why is that? Like, do they believe the same thing? Well, don't question me. Why would you question me? Yeah. (laughs) It was like, it's, I don't know. It's a, it's a huge problem. Yeah. I think it's really big on like, they were really big on like, even if there was like news articles that came out, they'd be like, uh, that, that's, that's not, that's like, that's apostate literature. So that's mm. the, that's the big word that they use. It's like, apostate. that's apostate. So like, even what I'm doing right now, like talking, like yeah. that's considered somebody who's an apostate, right? So what is an, what is the definition of apostate? So is they she- have their definition and then they <laughs> have like a dictionary definition. Mm. So, um, their definition is somebody who is following basically Satan, the devil, <laughs> oh, okay. and you know somebody who is who is going out of their way to create problems, you know. And with them, you're supposed to avoid them at all costs, not talk to them, um, or anything like that. So you know, shunning essentially like that's a big thing there is shunning, uh, which I'm I'm currently shunned mm. uh, because I left um, because I there's a difference. So there's two ways that you 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 get out of that. So the first one is disfellowshipping. So you like do something, you commit a sin or something like that, and they kick you out. They announce it from the stadium, like from the podium, and they tell everybody, like, "Hey, this person's disfellowshipped. We're not gonna." And everybody knows, like, don't talk to them anymore. And then um, you can also take your leave. You know, try to have a little dignity and leave. Like, I don't agree with this anymore. You don't even tell anybody. You know, you just say, like, I don't want to be a part of this anymore and they still announce it and they you still get kicked out basically wow. so and that means like anywhere that i move so like if i go back to tennessee right and you know a lot of my friends there or you know no longer friends but um a lot of them would know like don't talk to me or something like that so wow. yeah it's it's a lot of people don't realize like it's every it's it's a worldwide religion so that's wild and sometimes i call it religion other times i call it a cult, but either way like yeah. I mean, that's like uh that's like being Amish, right? Like if you leave that that what is it like lifestyle or culture, then you're shunned. Yeah. And you can't you're no longer allowed to be a part of that community. Yeah. 
which is insane. And you can't just like go back. You can't just be like, oh, I made a mistake. But like you have to go back and like you have to write a letter and then like you have to show up to all the meetings and stuff. And then like you have to you have to really. Is there like a, a biblical reason for this? Do they believe that it's like in the Bible? To I forgot. That honestly, I know there. I know that there's something. But yeah, I can't remember. They have their own Bible and everything, too. Mm. So it's not based off of, like, the King James or anything like that. It's called the New World Translation. Interesting. But to back up a lot of their things, like, they have their own books. And so, like, they have an elder's book, um, which that's a, that's a huge thing, which talks about the specifics of, like, why somebody would be disfellowship, why, you know, how long somebody takes to get back, things like that. So it's it, it goes real deep. <laughs> so what kind of things would qualify you to be disfellowship? Dis- fellowshipped or are kicked out oh um smoking is one like smoking cigarettes mm. just smoking cigarettes something like that um obviously like sexual immorality something like that um cheating on on your husband or wife um let's see uh, having like a boyfriend or girlfriend that is not a witness that can get you kicked uh, out as well uh, if they find that <laughs> out. <laughs> so, you know, like even dating without a, like a chaperone sometimes. Like, wow. yeah, like it goes, it goes pretty deep, ex- extreme. Um, and that's like uh, that. that, that reminds me a lot of, um, cause I grew up Baptist mm-hmm. and the church that I went to wasn't quite like that, but the, the organizations that they were associated were like that. Yeah. Like for instance, my brother and my sister went to, uh, this, this college in Tennessee, it's called a uh, crown college. I'm familiar. And, are you? Yeah. So they're, they're a legit cult. Like, I mean, you cannot go anywhere on campus without uh, a chaperone or like if you're dating, like another, like you can't go on campus alone with like a, the opposite sex. Yeah. Like there's certain por- like parts of the campus you can't go, can't go out like on a date without a chaperone. Like it's crazy stuff, like legit crazy things. And, um, and yeah, so it's like extremism, like to the fullest. Yeah, on totalitarianism. For sure. Yeah, and it's like I don't know, and it's it's crazy. Like I remember, I think my brother on this podcast, he was on uh, around this time last year. He was talking about how when he met his wife um, at that college, they were they were caught off campus, like on a date, like at an ice cream shop or something yeah. like they were in public at an ice cream shop and he got in trouble and got uh threatened to kick, like he got threatened to be kicked out. Um, the Dean of the college called her parents and was like, I can't, I can't guarantee her virginity. Like, like who are you to guarantee anybody's virginity? Yeah. Like what, what is wrong with you? They're very, they can be very intrusive into like your personal life. Yeah. And, um, it's like it's it's like more than a full time job. Like it's it's a whole lifestyle. Yeah, um, it's all it's like ultimate control. Yeah, very much. It's so crazy. So, so you left this two years ago. I left. Or, I'm trying to think. I left. A, see, I always get confused with that question because I was wanting to leave for a long time, and I was trying to like I had a whole process because you can't just up, be like oh like I'm not going to be a witness anymore. Mm. Like there's 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 like a time that you have to do this. So um, I'm trying to think. I, I probably like maybe four years ago, wow. maybe four years ago, I like, so officially was like, I don't want to be one anymore. So walk me through like, obviously there was a process and a point in time where you were like, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. When you started coming to the realization of like, wow, this, this is 
controlling. This is not, this doesn't seem quite right. What was that? What was your thought process during that time? So growing up, um, I had PTSD. So, I mean, I still have it. It it hasn't left, but I mean, it's much more, I'm able to handle things a lot better now. But um, I would remember like going to people's doors and I'd be like, they're really nice. And they'd say they weren't interested. And I'd be like, oh man, like that's sad that like they're going to die. Because <laughs> <Like, you know, laughs> it's because it's a doomsday cult. Like it, mm. it is like very much based around like Armageddon and different things like that. Like right. a lot of the people are really nice and really kind. But a lot of times like you're just so desensitized to like certain information that you're learning mm. and, and telling people. So, um, like, all right, <laughs> have fun in hell. Yeah. Well, we don't, they didn't, they didn't even believe in hell. Like, uh, so hell, what do they believe? Uh, destruction, just like going to die destruction. So kinda. what happens when you die? Um, where do you go? Just to the grave. That's where they believe. Yeah. Like you just die yeah. and that's it. They don't believe in like a long tormenting, like hell, okay. um, like hellfire or anything like that. But as far as like the destruction, there's a lot of different, um, there's a lot of different versions. I can't remember a lot of it because a lot of it I've like either blocked out yeah. or just don't think about very yeah, often. No, that happens with trauma. Yeah. Um, when you're in extreme situations mm-hmm. and uh, you start to block things out, your your brain does it to protect yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I had um, short term like amnesia for a long time where I just mm. couldn't remember like my childhood. Yeah. Um, I couldn't remember a lot of different things and I didn't know why until I started going to therapy. And, you know, it took me it took me finding different therapists to figure out like because the first therapist I had went to, to to when I was trying to leave was like oh I just stopped going to meetings and I was like you can't <laughs> can't just stop can't just do that you know it's not gonna work for me um and I ended up not going with them but when I was officially like on my way out I did seek a therapist I, I was like really specific like hey I'm leaving a cult and this is gonna be happening and I need somebody to like help me go through it and walk through it and things but um yeah, I, f- I forgot what the uh, the original question you were my, asking. My original question was, uh, what was your thought process like during that uh, time? Like, I mean, obviously you're going to, um, uh, do they call them, like, do you go Sunday ser- Sunday service? Like, what is the... They're just called meetings. Meetings, okay. Yeah, so you go to these meetings and obviously you're going there, you're kind of half in because you're like not so sure about it anymore. Yeah. What what are those thoughts like? So for me, my, my body was just breaking down. Like I was just having like a lot of anxiety, a lot of panic attacks, a lot of like my my body was just having a lot of somatic responses to things. And at one point I couldn't speak, like literally like my voice would not let me talk. And I ended up developing uh, spasmodic dysphonia. It's where um, a lot of sometimes you'll, you'll hear like older people have it. It's where they talk and they can't like get their words out. Mm. So I was developing that. And so it, it started getting me interested in like more uh, neurology and neuroscience and like how our nerves work. Uh, But that gets into later. But my thought process was like, I need to leave this, but you know, my mom's in it. My dad's in it. My grandmother's in it. Like my, my, all I've ever known is this. So I knew that I needed to find like a new community or something of support around me. Cause at the time I didn't have anybody that I knew outside of it, because that's a big thing. Like you don't make friends at school. You don't make friends at work. You don't do anything like that. Um, and not everybody was raised like as strictly as I was. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what I've learned. And you know, some people, their parents are a lot more lenient depending on their situation, if their parents were raised in it or not. Um, so like, for instance, like both of my parents, like they grew up 
having like the freedom of choice of what they believed in, you know, as opposed to me who was born into it right. where that's all, you know. So right. when I, um, I remember like specifically going, so there's like regular territories like house to house. That's what they're it's called. It's like house to house ministry. Um, but I, ended up going um, in business territory one day with some of my friends. Like, we were, like, 15, 16. Like, that's what we did with our, like, teenage years is is we would go out in the ministry, and um, that's what it was called. And I went up to this to this lady, and I'll never forget. Um, I remember, like, because on, on the podium, they were talking about how um, we need to start inviting people to the meetings more. And if they're not interested, then just like let them go and leave them alone. Like, don't, don't go there anymore. And I remember just going up to her and asking like, Hey, like, do you want to come to a meeting? And then she was like, no. And I was just like, well, why, why not? Like I've been coming here and, you know, sharing this with you. Why, why don't you want to like go to a meeting? I think I was like, mm, maybe 19 at this point. And, um, then she, she was like, well, I can, I can listen to you, but, you know, and agree with some of you say some of the things that you're saying, but, you know, not follow what you do. And I thought that was really interesting. I just left and that had like a huge impact on me. Like it was just, it was the smallest thing that somebody had, had done and they were just kind to me. Mm. And after that, it just started making me realize like how much freedom I actually had. Um, and after that, I just started doing my own research and, Cause that's a big no, no. Like you don't, you don't do research. Like, Ooh, I remember like the first time Googling like JW Rex and, and it was, it was so scary cause my heart was beating so fast. And I remember mm. just, just being like so anxious about it. But, um, I, I started watching different, uh, YouTube channels. So I watched like Lloyd Evans and I watched like different YouTubers that talked about their experience and, um, over time, I just slowly started, you know, when my birthday would come around, I'd be like, oh, I'm like 25 today. And like, I would let myself be excited over it. And then there would be witnesses that were I was Facebook friends with, oh. which a lot, a lot of times you're not supposed to have social media any, anyway with all of that, because that can lead to, you know, cheating or something like that. Like that was. But you could look at it in a different way for yeah. something like that, too. Like I could witness to people on yeah. social media yeah well that's that's a big thing too well um like there would be there's a whole bunch of like controversial things <laughs> in between like witnesses and then ex-witnesses and there's like a whole spectrum so they have like they have people who um like for instance there's there's this thing called pimos so they're they're physically in it but they're mentally out of it right and there's people who are POMO, which are physically out of it, mentally out of it. Like there's a whole thing of people like who don't want to be there, but are seeking help and support, but they don't know how to ask for it or they don't, mm. they're in situations that make it very hard to leave. So in the Jehovah's witness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. It's a lot deeper than like a lot of people think it is. Um, but yeah, so. that's crazy. That is like legit crazy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, when you're talking about this, I, I can like, as you're telling me like the different, like you're breaking down the, like the structure of it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, that reminds me a lot of like growing up Baptist. Like it's a lot of the same type of mentalities yeah. and a lot of the same like concepts. Um, just maybe some different terms. Yeah. Like, uh, like with the whole, like uh, going door to door thing like that. 
I think it was called um uh what did they call it? It was like a um witness. I think they called it witnessing. Uh I don't remember exactly. I know what you're talking about though. I got along with a lot of Baptists. Yeah. Like there was a lot of people that I've talked to that were either Baptist or Mormon and they say like they dealt with a lot of similar things, but it was just different terms right, and things right. that people would use. Especially being down south, right? Like Baptist oh, is yeah. huge down Southern there. Southern Baptist That's, is a huge yeah. thing. Like I'm I was yeah. born Baptist, I'm gonna die a Baptist. <laughs> like, that was the most popular thing I heard when I would go to the doors. We're like, all right, cool. Like you do you Baptist is like one of the interesting ones because um you have uh like Southern Baptist and then you have like what I was was a fundamental uh, oh, they call okay. themselves fundamental Baptists. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're pretty extreme. Uh, Southern Baptists are pretty lenient on a lot of things. Like they listen to more or they like sing more gospel type of music and they're a lot more uh, relaxed on the way you can dress and stuff in church. But yeah, being a fundamental Baptist is insane. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that so... You had mentioned that like a lot of uh, other people that you you knew grew up uh, with less strict parents. They could make friends outside of um, yeah. outside of the the cult. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was the same way for me as well. Like I wasn't able to be friends with people from school. Like I couldn't hang out with kids from school because they were like worldly. Yeah. In a sense, and um, so my only friends were the people that I met at church, and oof. like the older people or like the 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 kids or something like or even like my dad was an elder like he's Mm. no longer an elder anymore but that's like like the same thing as a a disciple or a um a deacon right um i'm not sure but they have a lot of power as in like they're the ones who disfellowship the people like so for instance like when you go and you get disfellowshipped right there's a judicial committee Right. So there's a lot of like legal jargon that's used like in the witnesses as well. Um, so, for instance, like the elders, they'll have like a judicial meeting with you. And, the, and then you have like three older men in there who determine whether you are repentant or like determine whether you're like good enough to good enough. like comment or to go out in the ministry or anything like that. Wow. Yeah. So. So they they get to dictate whether or not you get to be a part of the yeah. uh, different activities in the church. Yeah. Um, that's that's actually why I left um, uh, church, going to church altogether, was because I was um, so I was pretty involved in the church. Like I, at the time, I think I was like set like around sixteen and seventeen. I started getting really involved, like to the point where like I wanted to go to the same college my brother and sister went to. Like I wanted to be a pastor. I'm like yeah, this is what I want to do, and um, I was on fire for God. I'm like this is awesome. Like I was. Um, I was just, I was getting ready to preach like at a youth service like I was gonna do a little sermon, mm-hmm. and then uh, we were like singing we we're gonna do the singing thing like for uh, this group singing thing uh, in front of church too, and we were uh, in the process of of doing all this, and I started dating this girl or I started seeing this girl. I was interested in this girl, and she didn't go to church. Ooh. Yeah, which is a huge no no, mm-hmm. and uh, my parents didn't like her. And I don't know why. I don't know why they didn't like her at the time. Um, I don't like her either. But <laughs> but at the time, I'm like, why don't you like her? Like, she's coming to church. I started bringing her to church, and they still didn't like her. And so they ended up telling the, the youth, pa- or they told the pastor of the church that I was having sex with her. 
And so they ended up kicking me out of the Wednesday night kids program to where I couldn't be like a leader. Like I, mm-hmm. I couldn't do that anymore. And then I ended up getting kicked out of the church orchestra because I played trumpet in the church, church orchestra. Couldn't do that anymore. And then the sermon that I was learning, couldn't do that, or that I was getting ready to preach, couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't sing in that little, I couldn't sing in the choir, couldn't, couldn't do any of these activities. Yeah. Essentially, they just kicked me out of everything. And I thought, I'm like, I'm 17 at this, at this time. Like, I'm, why would I even want to go to church at this point? Yeah. I mean, why, like, that's my community. Like, that's, that's, like, this is where, like, I, I give more than anything. Like, I, I give back to my community here every week and they don't want me to be a part of it just because of something that was said to me yeah. or said to them and uh so then I was like you know what I'm just gonna stop going and so I just stopped going and my parents were furious they were like every morning or every Sunday morning they would uh, uh they're like all right we're going to church I'm like I'm not going and eventually I just started scheduling myself to go to work at that time and I would wake up before everybody woke up and I'd go to work yeah and uh I worked at McDonald's at that time and uh yeah I just stopped going from that point on and I haven't been back since yeah but I found that to be extremely hypocritical because and that was one of the determining factors for me was because my adopted mom uh was extremely abusive to me and she ended up getting kicked out of being able to be a Sunday school teacher to third and fourth graders well during that process so she so she was abusive to me went to jail for abusing me and then after like during the process of her being on probation they're like yeah you can't be a sunday school teacher yeah. well then after she was done with probation they're like yeah you can be a sunday school teacher again and i'm like so it's okay for her to abuse children and to be able to go back to doing that but because i'm quote unquote having sex with this girl yeah. then i can't I can't do any of these things. I'm like, that's hypocritical. Like, I don't, I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah. And so I just stopped. Yeah. That, and if that, anything, it pushed me to have sex with her because I wasn't having sex with her. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, F it then. Like, I'm <laughs> right. just do whatever I want anyway. Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, I don't know. Like the whole idea of it is just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something that it definitely, it, it, it changes your life and it changes your perspective. Like once you do get that freedom, once you do like realize like how much, um, how strong you actually are, how resilient you are, resilient you are as a person, and like what you can actually do. Like for instance, like when I when I was growing up, like I would be really good at sports, right? But I couldn't ever pursue those things. So one big thing about like the witnesses is that you can't um, bring any like pride or anything to yourself. Like you can, you have to be very humble. Like mm. you can't bring any any glory to yourself. It all goes to God mm. or it all goes to the elders. It goes to the pioneers. It goes to, you know, the different the elders. Yeah. The, the people that are in charge. Yeah. Why would they get the glory? Because they're doing like the work, right? They're doing the work. They're doing a what? lot. Of, yeah. It doesn't, it, a lot of it like doesn't make sense. And even, even after I got kicked out, like I would still go back. Like I'd be like, I'm, you know, go back and like ripped up jeans <laughs> and, like with tattoos and just be like, oh, like, you know, because at the time, like, well, still, like, my grandma, like, she she was like, I'm not going to talk to you anymore because of this. And, like, you knew what you were doing. Even though, like, I made a decision to to get baptized when I was 10. So child baptism is a big thing there. Mm. Um, and and all because of that one decision that I made, um, me just leaving. So, like, for instance, I had cousins that also grew up in it, but they never got baptized or anything. So, and they're out here, like, doing everything possible but wow. you know they're allowed to keep 
talking to to family, friends, and everything because they never made that like decision to get baptized. But you know, I I, I totally relate to you when you were talking about like you were really involved because um, I ended up when I was uh, seventeen, yeah, six, sixteen or seventeen because I graduated when I was. I graduated from high school. I graduated two years early because I went to vocational high school and I went for welding because on the podium, again, they were talking about how they needed skilled trades in Bethel, which is in New York, which is the headquarters for witnesses. So they needed skilled trades. So, um, you know, building kingdom halls and things like that, volunteering your, t- volunteering your time, like you're not getting paid for that oh. or anything. But I would be able <laughs> to be doing on- it for God. Yeah, I would be able to be <laughs> Jehovah. On, on these projects, right, at, at a young age, like 16, 17, like building kingdom halls or like welding different things. And so I, I ended up going to school for welding, even though that's not what I wanted to do. I could have done graphics design, right. but I was like, I didn't want to be in the middle school that I wasn't anymore because it was like way in the country. So I was like, hey, let me like go over here to like this vocational school and they have these programs. And I ended up getting like a certificate um, in welding and I was in like, two maybe two or like three different competitions and then I ended up going to community college there for a year and I graduated from there from when I was like 17 but I I still ended up um taking welding but (laughs) what's crazy is that I still even during that time because also like my parents were they had like their own things that they were going through I still ended up falling into the world of art somehow. Like I, I found like this artist sculpture, his name was John Henry. I ended up working for him for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I just, cause I wasn't old enough to be hired into like industrial welding jobs because I was like below 18. I couldn't just be like <laughs> out here working with like forklifts and cranes and all these different things at that age. But he hired me on, I was like, he kind of like taught me a lot about welding and sculpture. And then from there I ended up working with different artists and, wow. um, so what I learned is like either way you're, you're going to be where you're supposed to be. And I decided to take those moments. Um, like I said, like I was supposed to go to Bethel, right. Which I was, I was being trained or what is it called? Like groomed. I think it's like mm. trained basically yeah. to go like to the very top. Right. And, um, so I forgot exactly what ended up happening, but they were like, we're not going to send your application in because, of something like with my parents like I think they were going through a divorce or something like that and so they're like you're just trying to like leave home so we're not gonna we're not gonna have you involved with this so I ended up like leaving my hall and going to a totally different hall and all this different stuff but that is crazy yeah so So just running around a lot (laughs) because of your parents divorce they were going to punish you because they well at the time they were getting legally separated so they didn't have to get in trouble by the church gotcha So they were like legally separated for like two years. And then when they actually got divorced, because that's another thing, you can't get divorced there. I got divorced, you know, um, because I got married when I was like 19. But like, and even to get divorced, like they, they get so into your life that you can get disfellowshipped for like even, even dating, like, like let's say you're separated or or you get divorced, right. And you start dating someone Mm -hmm. like, we know that you can date and yeah. we know that like you can live your own life and stuff. Right. But yeah. when you're in it, you can't, right. You don't yeah. know that you can. And like, there's certain things that'll, yeah, that's just, it's a, it, it's a lot. <laughs> it, it is so crazy because, um, my, so my dad, he got divorced like six, 
seven years ago, something like that. And uh, during that process, so after he got divorced, his, my mom left him like on Thanksgiving in the middle of the night to go live with her ex-boyfriend from high school. Mm-hmm. And um, so she was having this affair with him. Well, she ended up leaving, completely left. And after the divorce, my dad started dating and he would bring, he, I think he brought like two girlfriends to church one time. Like he brought like one, one with him like one week. And then after they broke up, he started date his now wife and brought her to church. And the pastor of the church said, we would like you to stop coming to stop coming to church because you're making dating look, or you're making divorce look fun. That's what he said. <laughs> wow. And so he was like, okay, well, I guess I'm done. I'm not going to church anymore or not going to that church anymore. That's, that's crazy. Like how people will do that. They'll just, yeah. you're just living your life, like doing whatever makes you happy. And they're just like, no. Well, the idea of like you, somebody left you and now you're expecting me to just live unhappily without like having a significant other for the rest of time. Yeah. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Like you should be able to find somebody that you are happy with and, I mean, it's not like you're out there playing games, Yeah, you know, if that, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a crazy mindset. Yeah. It doesn't have to be as complicated as it is. No, it's very archaic. It's, it makes no sense. And it just, it really does all go back to control. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So I think like, I mean, even if you look at things in the Bible, people in the Bible, like in like King David or like a lot of the Kings and, and stuff in the Bible, they all had like hundreds of wives and some I think had thousands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, then they had concubines and like people that they just had sex with. And it's like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that that should be okay. I'm just saying that like, that was something that even in the Bible happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Sure. It definitely uh, warped my view on like relationships in general <laughs> and like, what was okay like like being in it it definitely warped like my my idea of like marriage and like what you're supposed to be like how you're supposed to act things like that mm. and so um being an artist like had a lot to do with that so I ended up you know I would usually just like write out how I was feeling because I didn't even realize like the kind of poetry that I did was confessional poetry mm. like I didn't realize that it was just me like spilling out like emotions and and you know some of it would come out like very angry and but you know what that did is it like it, those those uncomfortable feelings that I was that was feeling and experiencing like it, it taught me like to trust myself mm. and that entire process of leaving and, and going through all of that um, I met some amazing people like I've met like really beautiful people who who they do not let what happened in their life or their past define them and one thing that they like to do, like, as witnesses is, like, kick you out and completely cut you off from everybody and everything that you've ever known. Mm-hmm. But I decided to use that as an opportunity, like, when I would go back, I would, that was me trying to reclaim my power back, right? I don't need permission now, but right. you have to, you're going to do what you, you have to do in order to, to grow, yeah. you know, so... I think it was kind of perfect that I met you like at the time that I did, because I think I wasn't even out yet. I think I was really? like still trying to leave, Wow! but because a lot of it, like, how long ago was it that we met? It had to be like at least maybe like two years, two, two years ago, two, two years ago. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So it was but, the first when September or the, it was my first when September ends event. 
I'm pretty sure. I don't know how that long I've crazy. been back in Tennessee because I I lived in Tennessee. Like I moved back to Tennessee after I moved back. To, like in 2018, I moved back to Lansing and then I moved away again for like a year and okay. then I came back. So, so it, was, it was like 2021. Yeah, I came. I know I came back in 2020. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't start this like, podcast till 2021. Okay. Yeah. So it was that yeah, year. It was probably 2021. Yeah. Wow. That is insane. A lot happens in two years. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So when you were leaving, uh, obviously your grandma like kind of dissociated you from the family a little bit. Oh, yeah. She, what she what kinda, was the family like? <laughs> she kind of went out of her way to, to make sure like even people that weren't witnesses like don't talk to Hannah. Like, really? Don't do this with Hannah or anything. Oh. Um, and so, you know, a lot of it like you you would be angry like if like if that happened to you, but for some reason I was just like, okay, I'm just going to do all this on my own. So I went through my divorce on my own. I went through like everything that I was going through, um, on my own, you know? So, um, I ended up, you know, like going to her door one day. I was like, I'm just, I'm not going to talk to this family anymore. Like, I don't want to be a part of this family anymore. But like we, like some of her sisters and stuff, like they'll still call me every now and then, or like they'll, they'll send me like a message every now and then, but I'm just like, mm. Now, when they do that, can they get in trouble for that? Um, if you're witness, yeah, that's another. You can get disfellowshipped if you're talking to somebody who's disfellowshipped. Wow. Uh, like, like me talking like this. Like, yeah. there's a difference between like somebody who's disfellowshipped and somebody who's an apostate, like going out of their way to, to tell about their experience and stuff. Right. So if somebody was like talking to me, they could get in trouble. So have you ever had anybody reach out to you, and be like, "Hey, what's it like on the other side?" Yes, yes, I have. I've had a few friends who they wanted to leave as well. And they'll just call me, like, out of the booth. They'll just be like, Hannah, like, <laughs> I want to leave, and this is a very hard process, and how do I do this? And, you know, I have friends that, like, we went through the entire process, like, together. You wow. know, like, they got disfellowshipped and everything, and uh-huh. they had to find their own set of friends. And, you know, so it's, it's um, there's there's a lot of support out there, but at the same time, there are people who are still like very angry and bitter about their own experiences that have happened, which they are totally justified to to have. Um, but me, I just I want to be like a safe place that people can come to, and yeah. and I try not to judge the situations. Yeah. Um. So like for instance, like with, mm, I see like I don't even want to say like certain people because I don't want them to potentially to potentially like be put in a situation where they don't want to talk about things right like so right. It, it can get really complicated so i just try to focus mostly on like my personal story yeah no absolutely um, but yeah you can you can definitely like get in trouble for that and um it's sad it truly is like it's really sad but yeah it's like <laughs> we're going to like put the fear in you to where you're essentially silenced yeah where you can't talk about it because if you talk about it then now you have this giant punishment coming i think it's called uh the fog the fear obligation and guilt Mm. yeah that's that's what it's called they use a lot of that a lot of um triangulation a lot of i would highly suggest like anybody who is trying to leave something like that to learn like cbt therapy or to learn like anything that has to do with critical thinking because that'll teach you like how people think and 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 how people are trying to like I don't know like how they can like control you and stuff so to just be aware of it and learn yeah um yeah so since you've been out um one thing that uh 
is very common with people that have been in cults or have been in like a, a situation like that is it's very easy for them to fall into something else yeah. like another like group think type of activity like whether it's it could be anything um i mean it could be like the whole like becoming a yogi and like fully going into that or yeah. like becoming like a this mystical person or coming like whatever it is. is is that something that you find yourself struggling with at all or do you do you look at things like you had just mentioned critically, like from like a critical thinking standpoint? I think it would have been easy for me to fall into something like that. But because I knew I was leaving, like I went to therapy to like I went to behavioral therapy instead, like just a talk therapist. And mm. I didn't realize like there was yeah. a difference. Um, so it, it really taught me like how not to fall in some, into something like that again. But that. I've also heard that as well. Like that's very popular to, to, yeah. to fall into something where you, you believe like, Oh, this, this didn't happen, but you fall back into that because it's familiar. It's, right. it feels comfortable. It's something yeah. that feels very, well, um, it gives you like a sense of community. Yeah. And like, like you have this belief now again, Yeah, like you have this belief once again. And, um, yeah, it, I've seen it happen to people that I, I like, and it, I think it's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't, no, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. It's also a cult. <laughs> yeah, I think it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of self-reflection, and it takes a lot of um, yeah. time to, like, sit and think about, like, what am I doing? But yeah. fortunately, like, I think I was always one of those kinds of people who was, like, I, I never, like, fit in, and I kind of was always weird, like mm. a little bit different than everybody. Yeah. And I learned to be comfortable with that, and I think that also contributed to, like, why that I wouldn't fall into that. But I think at first when I did leave, I, I think I was trying to do that a little bit. Yeah. But... Um, well, you also have a way to express yourself, which yeah. is very important because um, when you can express yourself, then you're not going to necessarily let other people control the way you think Absolutely. and the way you do things because you want to be fully expressive mm -hmm. so um i think that's also very beneficial for that yeah yeah having something that you allow yourself to go as far as you possibly can with it so yeah like with my art i completely push my limits like i'm like i don't like how this looks and i could just like get rid of the canvas or like paint over it but i was like no i'm gonna just, i'm gonna continue to see where this goes <laughs> and i think i've done that like in general with my life is like even though this is uncomfortable, I'm going to continue to do this. I'm going to see where this goes. Right. I like that. Completely painting over it. Yeah. Um, and I think just from doing that, like I've, I've learned like a lot. So different techniques in the way that I paint a lot of times I'll just be, it's like a meditative state. So a lot of times I'll just be painting and I'll be thinking about my life or depending on the music or something that I'm listening to is, is how I'll paint. So, um, or, or poetry or whatever it is. I really, I'm really enjoying hearing you talk because I feel like your mindset is almost a lot like my mindset and the, how like you've handled your past and how I've handled my past. They're, they're almost exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Like you don't let it define you. Mm -hmm. Like you, you definitely like seem to have moved past that, but it's part of you and the way you've become and who you've become. And you're using it as a way to like propel yourself like even further and as a way to like express yourself and, like you're not letting it define you, but you're letting it kind of define like, I guess your success of like a place that you came from. Creating my own definition. Right. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot because I feel like that's what I've done as well. Yeah. It takes it. I think it takes a lot, like I said, of, of self-reflection and yeah. Getting uncomfortable. Like you yeah. had said, like it, like 
being uncomfortable, being uncomfortable and being in positions that you're not, you don't like at all. Yeah. And then realizing like, well, I don't like this, the spot that I'm in. How can I change it? And what can I do to get out of this spot? Yeah. It's super important because I mean, I don't, what, how, how old were you when you moved out on your own? You were um, married at 19. Yeah, I was married at 19. And so I'd say 25. I'm a, no, I'm 20 now. 20, 26. 26. 26 is when I was on my own. On your own fully. Yeah. But you were married at 19. Yeah. So I was so, married, I was married for about seven years. Wow. So, yeah. And so oh, I feel like I have so many questions. It's like <laughs> for me, one of the things that was super important for me in like, like I guess forming who I was as a person was moving out at 17. I moved out at 17 mm-hmm. um, after that whole incident with the church. Well, and, I actually take that back. I'm sorry. I, I did. I was on my own, but I was like at my friend's houses or like okay. laying like on, like on their couches and things right. like that. Like I was doing right. that until I was 19. So like 17 as well Okay. to 19. And then I got married mm. and then I was like officially, officially on my own, like at 20, okay. 25, 25. Okay. No, 26. I'm sorry. I keep forgetting <laughs> that I turned 28 this year. <laughs> well, see, that was one of the things that like for me was one of the most defining moments in my life is when I moved out, it put me in this position where I'm like, I'm extremely uncomfortable now. Cause I'm like, I'm 17, still in high school. I work at McDonald's. I don't know what's going to come of my life. Like I told you before, I plan on going to like a Bible college. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I going to do now? And so it forced me into this position of like, well, I don't want to be here for the rest of my life. Like I don't want to be working at McDonald's forever. I don't want to be living in Charlotte forever. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want to actually do something with my, myself and I want to use my story to impact other people. How am I going to do that? And so just like over the years, it just allowed me to kind of develop myself and it forced me to like grow up and um, learn responsibility and just kind of put me in this place where like, like I'm constantly uncomfortable with my, my position in life. So like, how can I get out of there? And finally I did. And I, I think that for so many people, like so many young people today, like they don't have those positions because people are moving out way older. Like they're not moving out younger and younger people. I mean, kids aren't even driving yeah. now. And so they don't have these like sense of freedoms. They don't have. And for me, that was like one of the biggest things I wanted when I was younger because I was so tied up in that, in the religion where I wanted freedom. I wanted to be able to have a license. I wanted to be able to go out with my friends. I wanted to be able to go do things like, and being like growing up in that environment, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And so that's all I wanted when I was younger is freedom. Yeah. And then when you, then you realize when you do move out that I have all the freedom, but now I don't have like the money or the resources to do <laughs> it, do anything. So, so now I need to figure out how to, how to get that. Yeah. And, um, I think that for a lot of people, um, that's one thing I tell like so many people that are, you know, like 18 or they just graduated high school. I'm like, you need to move out because yeah. like there becomes a certain point where like you just start butting heads with your parents and you want to be your own person. They want you to be the certain person and you just need to move out so that you can develop who you are. Yeah. I definitely think that my dad had a huge influence on like me becoming like more independent as well. Um, you know, cause like, even though he's not elder anymore and, and he's still technically one, but still like he, he, he encourages me like to, to live the life that I want to do, especially like with my art, like he's seen, mm like my struggles through school and everything that I've been through. 
and you know like he he used to have his own gym and stuff too so like he yeah. was like a power lifter and bodybuilder wow. all that good stuff who'd take me to like different shows and things Very cool. um like even though my parents were strict like he still um would take his time and he had his own like hobbies so like cars and low riders and mm. and that whole entire culture like he taught me a lot about that in music um but i mean i i think because i would watch him work out like he would push himself to the limit i think i also learned like the same mindset and i think that working out in general yeah. i need to do more of it but <laughs> <laughs> i mean i love working out. i love swimming like that's probably mm, like that's my a favorite really, thing it's really good exercise yeah. is is it teaches you like to push yourself beyond what you think you can do like mentally right like whenever you're running i don't know if you've ever heard is is like the difference between just like sprinting and long and long-term running is mm -hmm. what, what's it called like not long-term running uh distance running yeah distance running is you you keep your eye like fixed on a specific goal right mm -hmm. and you it kind of like blocks out everything around you so anything with exercise it just i don't know it, it it fires certain parts in your brain um which that gets back into neuroscience again yeah. it's like when you when you start learning about like how the body works you start realizing like oh like i was always meant to do this or like right. oh like this this is something that i'm just naturally adept to do you know, so and then you start to realize too, like how many people don't actually push themselves that yeah. far. Like there's so many people that don't have that capability. Sometimes it's just and a little more. It doesn't even just have a little to more. be like a huge thing. Just like yeah. five minutes, two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I um currently I'm training for a marathon. Okay. And so I've been running a lot. And uh, actually I'm supposed to run 16 miles today. Wow. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to. I'm sorry. And yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it. But that's one thing, because uh, like my training program, it has me running uh, long runs on sun every Sunday, and so on those days it's hard. Like I mean, like I think last week was eleven miles, which wasn't easy. The eleven miles is from McGuire Park here on Aurelius all the way down to uh, like uh, Bodie's and everything downtown, mm -hmm. and then back. That's eleven miles, and um, it's not easy. I mean, you like you had said, you have to focus. You have to you have to just like like you at a certain point like you you have to start focusing on like okay i'm gonna make it to that tree i'm gonna make it to that sign i'm gonna make it to that road and then you just keep going and going and yeah. going you just keep mentally pushing yourself yeah. and uh yeah that's what builds like mental fortitude like it just makes you stronger as a person because like if you can push yourself in one area then you can push yourself in all areas of life yeah and i like that you had mentioned that absolutely yeah i i think um something else that I heard once is like, if you have one person in your life that is, that is like constant in your life that like, you'll, you'll be all right. Like you'll be okay. Mm. And like, just, just hearing like the words, like you'll be okay or you'll be fine. It doesn't have to be like this grand like quote or anything like just being right. Somebody just yeah. accepting you for, for being you and letting you grow like that. That's probably like the biggest thing that I ever had is I, I had many different people in my life even though my parents had their own things and I was in the cult and everything like that, like I still had different people that they, I could tell that they took their time and their, their resources and their energy to invest in me as a person. Um, and I think that that really just like pushed me forward and I wanted to do the same for other people. Um, and I didn't know how I was going to do that, but I, I think I do it best through, through art and poetry and different things like that. So yeah, that's awesome. I, I had a, a girlfriend um, a while ago, a long time ago. Um, 
after, like after I first moved out within the first couple of years and her mom would help me out all the time. I was poor. I worked jobs where I barely made any money. Um, barely pay my rent. Oh, my phone always got shut off. She would always pay my phone bill for me. And I remember telling, like, I remember her telling me cause I, I would always feel so bad. I'm like, no, you don't give me money. Like I don't, don't want your help. Um, but she would always help me. And she's like, don't worry. I don't mind it. Don't pay me back. She's like, just remember that one day when you can pay it forward. And that has stuck with me ever since. Like, I'm like, I always want to pay it forward if I can. Yeah. Yeah. It's those little things that, that people do and, and definitely like accepting help from people, like, especially as an artist, it's like, Oh, (laughs) 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 you know, that's such, that's such a popular thing that like artists are starving. But like when, when you, when you do all that you can for, for your purpose or whatever you're passionate about, like the right, the right things align and the right things come to you that are supposed to be there. And the, the right people are going to see what you're doing and they're, and they're going to support you along the way. Yeah. So that definitely have learned that many times. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And all you have to do is put the work in What are you, what are you passionate about? And then just do it Yeah. because people will see that and then people will come. Even if it's unorganized, even if you don't even know what you're doing, just, yeah. just do what you're best at. Right. And whether that's talking, whether that's, you know, being there for people, whether that's, you know, having a podcast yeah. or, or creating art or, you know, there's, there's many different things. Like you were talking about making, working at McDonald's, like some people, like they're really good at cooking. They're really good at, at, yeah. at service and customer service or hospitality. I worked in the hospitality industry for quite a while. Like I was a night audit mm. for um, Hilton and that's how I would like oh. kind of travel around and like um, stay in like different hotels or something like Very that. Cool. So yeah, just I, I'd say, like, just do what whatever makes you happy because, I mean, you never know what experiences you're going to have. You never know what people you're going to meet along the way. But if you're yeah. constantly doing something you don't want to do and you, you feel that every day, like, this isn't for me, this isn't what I want to do, like, do not be afraid to, to go outside of that because that that one thing that you do may be the very thing that you had to do to get to where you're actually supposed to be. So That's such an important note. Yeah. Such an important <laughs> note. I, um, you had mentioned the McDonald's thing. When I worked at McDonald's, I hated it. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do forever. Yeah. Like I'm stuck here. This, I, like, I don't have a degree. I'm what job am I going to get that I could like sustain myself on? I guess I'm going to have to like work my way up at McDonald's, but like looking back, like it's definitely not one of those jobs where you're like, I, I don't look at it like it. Like I don't look down on it. Like, it's not like, Oh, you work at McDonald's. Like, well, you're, you suck as a person. You haven't made it anywhere in life. Yeah. I may, I met some of the most amazing people at McDonald's. Like mm-hmm. I had some of the best times at McDonald's. That was one of the most fun jobs I ever had. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I got free food all the time. I made amazing friends and uh, yeah, one of my roommates was a manager at McDonald's. Like it was just such a good time in life, even though at the time I didn't realize it. Yeah. Yeah, so. for sure. I think that happens a lot with like different situations in our life. It's like, the things that we're going through, like later on, we'll look back at it and be like, oh, you're like that, that in this way that it wasn't good for me, but in another way, like I've grown from it. So like, yeah, one such, thing that, oh, go ahead. No, I was just <laughs> going to say it's such a defining thing. Yeah. Like, it could be such the, the most defining thing in your life at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just like in school, like I got bullied a lot in school. I didn't like being at school, but the things that I was interested, the people that I met, I liked them for a reason and I liked what I was learning about different subjects or different things for a reason you know and realizing that that 
it was all like leading me to, to where I'm supposed to be today. Or I choose to look at it that way because yeah. not everybody's going to have the same perspective as you yeah. about their past or about their present or about where they're going in life. But yeah. just know that like you're the one who kind of gets to define what that is. And I, I kind of talked about this a little bit before is like I had PTSD growing up. So a lot of that came with different symptoms that I did not understand. So I had disassociation at times where, you know, or depersonalization, derealization. I'm not sure if you're familiar with those terms. No, I'm not. But it's like you don't feel real at times. Mm. Like you don't feel like your hands are real. You don't feel like where you're at is real. You kind of just go blank a lot. What is that? Why is that? I can't. I haven't done like as much research as I would want to, but disassociation is something that people are more familiar with. So yeah. like for instance, um, a lot of times people with ADHD, they get that. So like when you when something like traumatic happens to you, you can go back to that time. It feels like you're actually there, right? Mm, yeah. So um, sometimes I'll be like, "What's happening right now? Like, what what's going on? Like, you know, you'll be in the middle of of having like a um, a flashback or something, and you might be crying or something, and then just out of nowhere, you're just like, "What's happening? Like, what's going on?" And that's like your brain trying to relax. It's trying to like keep itself. It's trying to calm itself, you know, its system. Um, so I had to learn a lot of like different things about like meditation and like what to do. Cause even when I would get jobs and stuff um, before I was a full-time artist, I would work places and I would just be working. It'd be a normal day. And just out of nowhere, I would just start disassociating and I would be like, Oh, like, where am I, where am I at? What am I doing? Like my arm would just stop working or my leg. So I had to learn that a lot of it was different symptoms that were coming together as well that, that were happening. And so I started like painting all of that out. So that was one thing that had got me out of a lot of the symptoms that I was having was like either painting what I was feeling or, you know, I remember there would be times where I just, I couldn't move. Like, I just wouldn't want to move. And all I could do was, like, take a pen and just scribble something or just paint something. And over time, I started working on my motor skills with that. And so I was like, I wonder, like, what's actually happening in my brain? What's actually happening with my body when I'm doing this? And so I just started studying more and more. And that gets into more um, neuro, what is it called? Neuroplasticity. That and then, like. It starts to heal. Yeah. And then also, like, neurographic art too Hmm. so yeah art has a lot to has a lot more to do with things than people realize and yeah I kind of want to be that person who lets people know that like artists are very underrated like they don't get as much credit as as they as they should so well most artists come from like some sort of very rough past like Mm -hmm. they're they usually have some sort something in their life went wrong (laughs) to where to where they wanted to be an artist i gotta get this out (laughs) (laughs) and that's how they express themselves and that's that's i mean most artists have had a bad life they've had bad things happen to them and that's their form of expressing themselves yeah and um i could i mean it only makes sense that when you um when you talk about how when you whenever you had those moments you would start to draw or scribble like that it would slowly start to kind of heal you right in a sense is what what you're saying yeah and that only makes sense Mm -hmm. that because you're you're forcing yourself into this like this rhythm yeah and then do so do you do you have those flashbacks or moments now yeah i still i'd still definitely have i mean ptsd is well i have cptsd which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder so 
PTSD, a lot of people think it's, you know, people who just go to the army right. and, and, and get that with, or the military. Yeah. And I mean, that's not necessarily true. You can have many different events happen yeah. to you with CPTSD. It's a lot of events that happened over time that contribute to it. And because it's complex, you don't always know what symptoms are going to come up. Mm. So I may be fine for, for like, you know, but you know, a lot of it is just becoming more aware of it, becoming aware of like your symptoms and what, what's going on and what's happening. So like, for instance, uh, there's the disassociation that I was telling you about, then the depersonalization, not knowing who you are, mm. that could be another thing as well. Oof, that um, sounds scary. It, it is a little bit scary. So, yeah. you know, a lot of my work, it dives into um, identity work as well. Um, and a lot of my art and stuff, it's, it's very vulnerable. It can be very vulnerable, but it's a process and it's a journey and I'm not afraid to go through it because for the longest time I was kind of afraid to like share that and be like, Oh yeah, this is about like this part of my life. Right. It's like, no, like I'm, this is what I'm supposed to be doing and be proud of it. You know, don't, 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 don't push that away. Um, because like I said, you'll, you'll, you'll find support from the right people. So, like, for instance, this year, um, every year I kind of have one thing that I'm specifically trying to work on. Last year, I was trying to be more affectionate with people, like, give them more hugs. And not because of COVID and everything that <laughs> happened with it, but because, like, I really just wanted to to be more open to, like, giving people hugs. Being vulnerable. And, yeah. Yeah. And this year is, is a lot about trust, like, trusting myself, trusting people, you know, because with everything that I grew up with, yeah. you know, it they teach you, like, don't don't trust the outside world. Don't trust people. Don't right, trust right. anything yeah. um, besides what we're teaching you. Don't question us. Yeah. Don't <laughs> question anything. So this year I'm very curious. I'm just like, if this, you know, if I feel this way about something, why am I feeling this way and not to judge it or anything like that. And I think that that, um, that's something that a lot of people I think need in general, like, I'll go to the gym and a lot of people, they'll be talking about their life and they're just like, I I would never be able to do this or I can't do this. Or, Mm. you know, I hear a lot of artists say like, I can't do this or I'm, I'm never going to be an artist. I'm not creative. I don't know how to draw, but it's like, why, why not? Like (laughs) everybody has something that they're good at. Everybody has something that they're, they're creative and that they can expand on that. They have no idea that that can be something that, you know, like, like for instance, I, I also like music. Right. But, I like I I play piano but I don't I I told my dad I was like I just want to have this as a hobby like this is just going to be me thing I'm not going to do anything else where I'm you know sharing it with everybody else so right um I think everybody has something that they're good at you just have to you just have to find it yeah I mean there's so I, I mean and I think a lot of people think of like uh, being an artist as in like painting or drawing. And like you had mentioned, like creating a website is mm-hmm. art. Like, I mean, that there's artistic aspects to creating a website, uh, making things out of wood. I yeah. mean, that's welding. That's another, cre- I mean, there's so many things that are creative um, that aren't necessarily like mainstream, like considered art. You know what I mean? Like, like you can't go to a gallery and see it or something. Um, but there's so many things, landscaping, like, Absolutely. like being like a, a, a company that, you know, designs like landscaping or designs, um, 
buildings, like all, all kinds of different things are considered art Mm -hmm. and being able to find that and, and get good at something like that is super beneficial for mental health and everything. Yeah. I always tell, Oh, go ahead. No, no, you're good. (laughs) I mean, that's, that was one of the things that was super um, important for me uh, when we bought this house is like, I didn't know how to do anything. And I think I've talked about this in other episodes with other artists, but um, like learning how to like do things like the stonework on the front of the house or the stonework in the basement. Um, I did all that. Oh, and well, it's really nice. Like when I, when I was walking, I was like, this is very modern. Like, like, <laughs> the I, landscaping. Like, like, it's cool. Like, the landscaping. I, I did all that. Yeah. Um, didn't know how to do any of it. But like just having this image in my mind of like how I wanted it to look and then being able to just put it like out, like being able to be like, yeah, this is what it, this is exactly how I pictured it in my mind. Mm-hmm. That's art. Like being able to like take a mental image and then make it come true. Yeah. That is art. Because yeah. you created something. Yeah. And, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Even the way that we talk, the way that we speak, the way that we express ourselves, it's it's all art. And I feel like I've dedicated, like, a lot of my time to just learning about creativity and art. And yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, but I, I always try to tell people, like, look, I mean, like, even this water bottle, like, somebody had to design it. Somebody had to design the label. Like, even just the most things that you, you wouldn't even take in consideration. The cars that you drive, somebody had to make that. The shirts that you buy, like the shoes you get, somebody had to design that, make it. Somebody had to plan it out. Yeah. Even the way that you have your website set up or like your Instagram feed, right? Yeah. Or or your social media. The way that you, the colors that you choose, it's the the fonts and all of that, all of that is art. And people just, they, they tend to, to kind of put art off as like a, that's that's not something that we should really invest in. But <laughs> when you invest in the arts, you're investing in your community. Yeah. And like Chattanooga, when I was younger, I remember like how all the artists would get together and they would just they would they built that community up so much and it flourishes so much because it's a touristy city too. Like mm-hmm. you have Rock City, Ruby Falls, all that good stuff. Yeah. Which is why I do also claim that as <laughs> home. Tell, you know, I claim that as my second home. So <laughs> <laughs> shout out to my Chattanoogans <laughs> uh, in Chat Town. But um, you know, I, 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 you know, being in Lansing now, it's like I, I see that happening here too. It's like the arts is really building here and the community yeah. of, of artists. I love how they get together and they do things and they're always very supportive of each other. So I think that that's super important for, for anywhere that you go. And I just want to be a part of it. So Yeah, well, you are, yeah. right? You're in it. You're doing it. You're sure. doing it full time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's most every artist's dream to be able to do what they do yeah. full time. Um, because I mean, most people don't like having a nine to five job. Yeah. You know, it's not fun. It takes away from your ability to be able to focus all your energy into something you really want to do. And so being able to do something full time, even like if it's not like it, it's not as glamorous as what people make it seem, right? Like, like being a full-time artist, people are like, oh, that's so awesome. (laughs) I'm sure like you're just loving life, but it, it comes with its struggles. It comes with being broke. It comes with being like having to hustle and sell your work and do shows and, and just promote yourself. Like it's all you, it's all on you. And I mean, you have a community behind you, but at the end of the day, it's still you. And so, there's a lot of struggles that come with it. And I think most people long for it, but they also don't want to put the work in to do it. And so when you're able to do it, like somebody like yourself, then that's one of the most satisfying things ever. I think the most important thing to like know as an artist is you don't have to be starving. Number one, 
And number two, like know your value, know your worth, know your value and don't take any less. Like if you want to price a certain piece at a certain range, like do that and don't take any, any less because you put a lot of your, your time and your energy and your life into that piece. Um, and whatever it is, and even coming up with shows and things like sometimes people will tell you like, Oh, you know, I wouldn't pay more than $500 for this, or I wouldn't pay more than like $200 for this, even if it's a small piece, but you wouldn't tell that to Pablo Picasso. You wouldn't tell that to Jackson (laughs) Pollock. You wouldn't tell that to Basquiat. You wouldn't tell that to any of those people. Um, and you know, everybody has, has a story and you know, I'm, you know, there's a lot of artists who, they're, they're just very humble about their work because of like what society has told them that they have mm, to be about right. as, as artists. And that's not true at all. But I mean, in general, art, um, the art community, it can, it can be, it can be controversial, but I mean, if you don't play into that, like for me, like I don't play into it. I just kind of do what I do and that's, that's, that's it. That's like, what you need to do. I don't accept <laughs> any less. Like I've worked very hard to get here and yeah. you know, so, and, and, just keep yourself surrounded with people that encourage you and, and keep you wanting to, to do what you're doing already. Um, but even with nine to fives, I used to, I used to feel the same way to be like, I don't like nine to five. Like, this is so <laughs> lame. But then I was like, well, if I'm doing something that I love, like if I, like, for instance, I like, um, working on branding, right. So mm. the look of things like a website, if I was doing that, for a company that I loved working for right. that was like taking care of me. Like, of course I'd be like, yes, I would love coming in. Like I would yeah. work extra, yeah. you know? And I love how like the idea of that is, um, cause I've been seeing on Instagram a lot. I forgot what it's this one quote and it keeps saying that's like, um, it had something to do with like nine to five, but if you are doing what you love, you're going to work more at it. And I used to think that, you know, having your own business, you know, a lot of times you have a boss who's like, you need to do this, you need to do that. Nobody's going to have as much passion about what you do than you. Exactly. Right. So whether that's a business or, or a company or anything, like nobody's going to have as much drive and, and creativity and all these ideas about what you're doing, unless it's somebody that actually aligns with your values and what you want to do. So, right. um, yeah, and you get what you put in. Yeah, ex- I exactly. I mean, when you're a business owner, you get exactly what you put in because nobody else is going to do it for you. Yeah. And that's one thing that, like, for me doing this podcast, it's now a business too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just me. And so, like, this podcast is just exactly what it is. Like, if it if I'm not if I'm not putting in the work, then it then it doesn't happen. Absolutely. And so, um, I think that's one of the most important things. Like, when you are a business owner. Just you need to work hard. I mean, because if you are a business owner, I would hope that you're passionate about what you do, right? I mean, because at that point, it's not really work. Yeah, I mean, it, it. <laughs> it can be work, but there's work aspects to to it, obviously. Um, but like when you're a creative person, obviously it feels more like work when you have to do like the business side of things. Yeah. It's like I'm more of a creative person. Like I think creatively. Um, so like the business portion of everything, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. That's boring. <laughs> yeah those so, menial tasks yeah 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 no i don't enjoy that stuff yeah but. i think also knowing your like strengths and weaknesses and what you do so like for me priorities like like i have to have time slots for for me to rest or i have to have time because i know that i'll go all day doing something and then i'll like run into burnout and be like oh <laughs> dang like i really should have given myself like that day off or something right even if it's on yeah. like a, a random like midday 
in like midday a week, right? But it's like <clears throat> you you have to know like how much you can handle and how much you can't like, and you know setting time aside to to prioritize to have that balance. Yeah, and realize that like if I'm growing from this, great, right? But at some point when you stop growing, when you're just like I don't want to do this anymore, like you know have have uh, it's also important to have like friends around you that are also working towards goals because that's going to push you to like keep doing yours so to have a exchange of ideas between the t- two or three or however many friends you have yeah but to to be building on something together i there's, think that's really important there's a like a phrase that you surround yourself with people that are more successful than you because then you will like i can't remember exactly how how it's worded but you'll essentially be you'll want to be as good as them yeah. so then that they'll only elevate you. Yeah. I mean, and then, I mean, I can't, I wish I could remember the quote. I've heard one, it's more like hustle, but it's like surround yourself with like four millionaires and you'll be the fifth Mm. or something like that. It's like surround yourself with people who, who are doing what you want to do and it's going to motivate you. It's going to like, it can't like, you become who you're around a lot. That, yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was, yeah. uh, you're only as good as those you surround yourself with. Yeah. Which is true. I mean, because if you're, if you're hanging around people who don't have the same ambitions or goals, then your ambitions and goals start to just kind of waver. Yeah. You start like feeling like, oh, I don't want them to think I'm better than them. So then you just, you stop talking about it. Like you start, stop talking about your goals and your ideas. And um, I've done it. I think we've all done it. And it's, yeah, it can be a killer of dreams. I think everybody should have, like, a business at one time in their life. Definitely. Even if it's just, like, something really small that they're doing, like, just try something. But every business is big. It's, like, <laughs> I don't like how they say small businesses because I feel like that's a, a type of wording that, like, keeps you thinking that you're small mm. when it's really not. Like, running a business is very hard. Like, trying to find health care or trying to, yeah. like, get all the same benefits that you would at, like, a nine-to-five having like that retirement or things set up for yourself. I think, I think when they say small businesses, they refer, when I think of small businesses, I guess I should say, I think of like a, like a local like place. Like, I mean, obviously they're not small businesses, like, but they are like comparative to like, like a, a giant business. Like, let's say like a, let's say like a, like a Walmart compared to like a mom and pop, like, Mm -hmm like grocery store or something like that. Like they're obviously smaller, but um, where was I going with it? Oh yeah. So like when I think of small, I think of like local. That's what I think of. Okay. I don't th- necessarily think of like these giant places. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess I just think about it that way. I think I just have to in general. But I, I see what you're saying that like it's, it's a giant task to be a business. Yeah. And so it's not a small, it's not a small thing to do. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty big thing, like pretty big choice to make my home. That's where my studio is. And then I have an office, right. But like, I have a two bedroom like home and then I have a a basement, like my basement is my studio, but I have to think about it as this is my studio and this is my office. If I were to think about it a different way, like it would be very overwhelming. Mm, Right. Right. But also like knowing the things that like I can, like, I try to take all the tasks that I don't want to do and I just do them all in one day. And I was like, I'm going to have a bad attitude about this. I'm going <laughs> to not want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway because I have to. And then I have days where it is my day off and I feel like working that day. Mm. And I'm just like, 
okay, I'll do this and I'll take tomorrow off or something. But that's the cool thing about having a business. It's yeah. like when you, when you have a calendar and you have things set up for yourself and you al- allocate time for yourself, you, you can rearrange those things. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, and um, it's important to make sure you do that because yeah. I mean, so many, like I'm one of those people, like I don't take any time off and it it's detrimental to creativity, to everything. I mean, I'll get burned out to where I, I just like, if, if I don't have a podcast or something, I'll just not do any podcast stuff. Like, cause I'll, I'll do so many where I'm just like, I just don't want to do any, I don't want to like edit. I don't want to upload. I don't want to do anything. Um, and it's a problem because like you need to learn to take time off. You need to learn essentially take a vacation, like yeah. take a day off here and there, like allow yourself to enjoy life a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Being an artist, sometimes you don't have the money coming in that you want. <laughs> yeah. That's that's very true. And oh, I, this is hard to say, but I had to learn that like even in those moments when I don't have something coming in, like to be grateful. Like, I'm grateful that I'm alive. I'm grateful that I can create. I'm grateful I can do this. As much as, like, it's, like I said, it's justifiable to be angry about certain things and things not working out, but making myself get through that moment, letting myself feel that it has taught me so much about what I can handle and what I can't. And so it takes me out of that that scarcity mindset. It takes me out of, like, that, that yeah. lack mindset. And it puts you into that, um, like, pushing forward. That's actually where one of my um, favorite pieces, momentum, I always talk about momentum all the time. I remember being at the gym, and, like, I was disassociating. So that, like, when I was, I drove to the gym, right, and I did not want to go that day. I was like, I do not want to do this, do not want to (laughs) go. And I went in anyway, and I was like, I don't care if I'm here for, like, five minutes, 15 minutes. I don't give myself a time limit when I'm there because it's very much like a a meditative place for me. So whether I'm just walking around the hallways or I'm swimming or I'm going to the actual, like, weight room or something, like, I try to um, be as present there as possible. Like, I'll have my phone with me, but it'll be on Mm -hmm. Do Not Disturb. And I give myself that permission to just have this completely just for me. Right. And through that, um, I've met some really great people. And I remember like I was in the middle of my divorce and I was going through all this stuff. And the, it was like the same people that I just kept seeing at the gym. And they kept saying this word like momentum over. And I didn't even know what that word meant. I was like, what's momentum? They're like, you're just building momentum like to where you're supposed to go. And I was like, OK. And then I looked up the word and I was like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then I ended up making that piece. And it's one of my favorite pieces now. It's like wow. I'm I ended up making like a whole collection around that, which, which talked about like balance and um, what I learned through balance and just the different things that I've observed from learning about that. So, well, that's one of the things too, about um, being an artist is some of the best things come from like hurt and pain and just like times of suffering and being in, in moments where you're just struggling. Yeah. But like when you can get through that and create something amazing, that's when the best pieces come out generally yeah i think sometimes people like especially like with my name my company being named rainy dark fi people tend to just focus on like the dark part they're just like (laughs) why is it dark like why does it have to be dark and i'm just like dark doesn't have to be bad it doesn't have to be depressing it doesn't have to be melancholy it can just Mm. mean dark it can mean lack of light lack of something 
right? Right. And so I try to be more explorative of that. And I just think of it like shade. Yeah, like, exactly. Like it doesn't have to, yeah. there, there doesn't have to be this judgment on it. And so I, I try to lift that judgment off of it and help people to realize like, look past, like for instance, one of my biggest emotions I dealt with growing up is like anger, right? Like why, why like anger is a very, it's, it's a passionate emotion. Like you're just trying to get out whatever you have to get out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times anger is just a cover for sadness and sadness is just a cover for wanting to be seen or wanting to be wanting to be heard wanting to be understood right wanting empathy so it's like if i would have never painted what i did if i would have never explored that or if i because that like i have a painting called anger and i made it like when I first started painting and I've had it like through all the places I've moved, like throughout my entire life, it's always stayed with me. I don't even remember how I made it. I don't remember the type of paint that I used or anything like that, but it's one of my favorite pieces and it's taught me so much about myself throughout life. And so going back, because when I had amnesia, I forgot my technique to to paint at one time. So when I went back, I would look at the piece because a lot of my pieces are, well, most of them are abstract. So a lot of times it doesn't have a subject. It doesn't have like a, it doesn't have a face on it. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. have like landscape or anything like that. It's just, it is. But over time I go back and I look at it and I was like, oh, I was probably going through this when I made this, or I was going through this. And what did that teach me? What do I think now about it? And I can go back and I can look and see how much I've grown from it. So I think a lot, a, a lot of times like my life is just mostly like growth i just like to observe the things around me and learn something from it that's amazing yeah (laughs) that's amazing hannah we've been going for an hour and 37 minutes no that's crazy (laughs) (laughs) i know like uh, usually like when you get like an hour in that's when the podcast like gets good Mm -hmm. and so i I should probably like start setting aside time to like sit (laughs) down with somebody before like just talk for an hour yeah and then just start the podcast from there but um yeah i gotta wrap this up understandable but uh thank you for doing this this was a lot of fun is there anything you want to promote or talk about before we completely end it um sure Uh, we were talking about opportunity arts before um i'm actually going to be hosting a poetry show with them um every third thursday of the month so starting this month on july 20th i will actually be hosting a poetry show at micah at the micah gallery um, it's an old town and it's going to be presented by it. It's going to be through Opportunity Arts. And okay. they're also just in general like a really great company company to go with. Mike is awesome and he's always taking care of all of us. So shout out to Mike and all <laughs> that he does for us. <laughs> so Awesome. Well, thanks for doing this. Um, I will have your website in the links and uh, or in the show notes and the link will be there. Um, so yeah, go there, check it out. Awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.